Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Nebraska Soccer Talk Podcast. Once again, and for the foreseeable future, I am your host, Joe Cleary. On today's episode, we have an interview with Creighton University assistant coach Carly Kopitz, updates from the Summit League, Big Ten, and Big East Soccer, a recruiting overview from the state of Nebraska, and then I preview the free week of coaching education being offered by the Nebraska State Soccer Association. Thank you to all those who have tuned in. We are averaging about 80 listeners an episode, which I'm really happy with, and I hope this continues to grow. Keep sharing and subscribing. With the college seasons in full swing and high school teams a week away from starting their first official practices, we are excited to bring you tons of local soccer content over the next several months. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for the Nebraska Soccer Talk podcast or website, please reach out to nebraskasoccertalk at gmail.com. If you are one of our loyal listeners and would like to support, click the link in the episode description for more information. We are going to kick this week's episode off with my interview with Creighton University assistant coach Carly Kopitz. I really enjoyed this conversation and Coach Kopitz gives us great insight into the Creighton squad goalkeeping, and becoming a coach at the college level. I hope you enjoy. And I'm welcoming welcoming on today uh, assistant coach from Creighton University, Carly Kopitz. Carly, thanks for joining us after your long trip back from North Dakota. Yeah, Joe, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Happy, yeah, sorry so- that I've brought the North Dakota temperatures down Omaha with me. I feel I, bad for the region. So I, I know both of, both of us having North Dakota roots, this is feeling a little bit too close to what we used to experience. Yes, <laughs> so yes. Um, the first thing I want to jump into right away is obviously COVID has pushed your season to the spring. And, and then now on top of this, we have some weather difficulties. How have the last couple of weeks been getting ready for a season with, with the Creighton squad? Um, you know, just really good energy from the girls. They're just so excited. They were just so excited, A, to be back and be around each other and B, to start, you know, working towards games. You know, I think we had a really good fall segment, but I think everybody probably felt the same pain that we did as well. Stop, start, um, couldn't really play any against any other competition. So a lot of individual growth, um, did a lot of good things on the field, but um, a little just different energy here this spring now that we get to to work towards games and work towards our conference season. So um, I think our girls are just chomping at the bit a little bit. So it's good though. It's good. Yeah. There's that light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still just getting that, that light. Yes. Um, yes. You know, the Creighton squad has seen gradual improvement under coach Ross Pauly. And I know this is coming up on your second year, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, how does the coaching, how do you as a coaching staff and how does the team feel about even though it's going to be a different season, but even just this spring and perhaps next fall, how do, how do, how does the whole program feel about where the, the team is going in the direction of the program? Yeah. So in uh, fall of 19, I think that we put together some really good performances and did some really good things. Um, you know, non-conference season was probably one of the best that we've had in, in recent history. And then conference again, really good performances. We just couldn't get some results. And so um we're just, we're right there. And I think we're ready to turn the corner. Um, 
we've got a good foundation of, of who we are, how we want to play. Um, the players coming through the past few years have really committed to what we look, we want it to look like on the field. And we're starting to see that pay dividends. And so, um, you know, I think that we, you know, we're not going to get too many non-conference tune-ups here before we jump into Big East. And it's going to look a little different only playing half of the Big East twice, but, um, you know, we feel really good about, about where we're at as a group and, and what we think we can do, uh, once the whistle blows. So. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. Eight, seven, and three last year, I believe. So above 500 and trending in a good direction. I think I want to shift focus a little bit to act the actual squad members. Uh, obviously people in Nebraska and Omaha will be familiar with Skylar Heinrich goal scoring mm-hmm. extraordinaire from her time in club in high school. And she's continued that at sure. the college level. What makes yeah. Skylar such a good forward, like that allowed her to translate what she was doing at the youth levels into college. Cause you don't always see that in goal scorers and, she, and she's done that. So what makes her so good? Right. So, so mo- a credit to her mostly because she is just athletically gifted and boy, does she use that when she's on the pitch. Um, and second, she came in early, she early enrolled. So she graduated early, came in, had a spring to develop and, uh, went on an international trip with the group. So then her first fall, you know, her first freshman fall, it wasn't, you know, she just stepped on campus and figured it out. She had time to acclimate in that spring. And I think that that really helped her just be comfortable in who she is. So then when that season rolled around her first freshman year, she was just ready to rock. Um, and, and Skylar's so level that she just, she goes out, she executes and she's so fast. She's so talented. And, um, the things she does, you know, you just go, wow. And she's like, yeah, whatever, you know, she has a pretty just kind of cavalier attitude about it. And that's why, that's why I think she's so endearing to so many folks. And, um, she's really, we've really challenged her to go, okay, now people know about you. What are, you know, what's, You're what's going to be the anymore. next, yeah. What's going to be the next uh, chapter in Skylar's, you know, story. And I think that she's absolutely rose to that challenge and we saw flashes of it. You know, she's got that technical ability and now it's just, you know, we know she's dangerous to stretch him behind and how can you be that, be dangerous in a different way. And so um, absolutely she'll, hopefully she scores another boatload of goals for us. We have all the confidence in her. Yeah. And you probably, and you see her a lot in training as, cause you work with the goalkeepers. So you kind of see the, <laughs> hopefully she's steering that towards the other team here coming up in the next few weeks, in the next few months. Um, but ta- speaking on the goalkeepers, uh, what does the goalkeeper situation look like for you at Creighton right now in terms of, you know, um, so we have, we've had the same three since I came in and, um, really good group of gals. Um, we, we were fortunate to kind of, I think we posted our, our lowest goals against average in the 19 fall since we had since 2011. So, um, you know, first and foremost is just keeping the ball out of the net and kind of, uh, getting our defense, you know, tidied up is, is getting us in the, in a good spot to have success. And, and I'm really proud of the way that, uh, our goalkeeping unit has really worked towards that. And, um, we have, uh, Keelan, Katie and Michaela and, um, you know, uh, Keelan and Katie split time in 19 and, and then uh, we'll see what happens here um, for the spring and, and what kind of decisions that Ross makes. And um, the girls make it challenging. They're, they're, they're improving in different ways and they, they all bring kind of different things to the table. So again, I'm very fortunate to work with a really talented group. 
And I really like how you speak about them uh, as a unit and not just as like them three competing for one position. Because I always said as a coach that uh, your best goalkeeper is only as strong as your second and your third string or your fourth string if you have four. Um, and that their successes are our goalkeeper successes and their struggles are the whole goalkeeper unit struggles. So is that is that kind of how you run things as well with the goalkeepers? Is that is that kind of a typical mantra for you as well? Yeah, we're, we're a unit, you know, we, we are only, we're, our team is only as good as we are as a group, right? You know, that, mm -hmm. um, your training environment, um, you know, finishing sessions, defending sessions, like goalkeepers play a huge part of that. And I think our goalkeepers as a whole take a huge pride in making it very hard on our attackers, but then also, um, just like enjoying themselves when we are keeping the ball out of the net and, and finding a lot of success in those defensive drills. And, and our girls are great together. They have a really good energy, um, you know, picking each other up ball, you know, ball goes in the net. They're like, toss it out, get the next one. You know, they really pick each other up. And um, if one kid wants to come out early and do some work, the other ones are going to show up early and be there to do it with them. Um, they, they just have a really good mindset of, of what it takes to be successful at this level. That's awesome to hear. I look forward to watching them play in that. I know goalkeepers can be infuriating for some coaches, including myself, <laughs> but when you get to see good goalkeepers, it's fun to watch at any level. Um, yep. So shifting to your training a little bit, you've posted mm -hmm. some things on Twitter with what goalkeeper training looks like at times for the Creighton goalkeepers. What are the, what are the things you like to focus on or what's your training style with goalkeepers? Cause you've coached and worked with goalkeepers at both North Dakota state and at Creighton now. Um, what do you like to focus on or what's your style of goalkeeper coaching? Um, you know, I, I would probably classify myself as more of like an old school goalkeeper coach, if you will. Um, and that's probably not that's lending myself to its age. Okay. We'll just put that out there. I'm a little <laughs> older. It's fine. Um, but I, I think if we can help our goalkeepers be really good at the basics and feel very confident in their technical ability. And then we paint a clear picture of what we want it to look like tactically with and without the ball. Then I think that we're setting our team, our group up for a, a high level of success. Um, I'm, I'm big on details early on in our, in my sessions with my goalkeepers, because I think that the more detailed we are in those moments, the more automatic it is when they are in game situations and they're having to make decisions. Um, they're not, they're more just letting their talent and their reactions kind of take over, but we know that their technique is going to be solid because, because we've drilled that we've put them through their paces and they're detailed about it. So, um, yeah, I think that that's probably the the easiest way to wrap up yeah. my my style, if you will. Yeah, yep. no, that makes <laughs> sense. Um, when you when it comes to recruiting goalkeepers, so you've been recruiting goalkeepers for years now. What are some of the things that you see youth goalkeepers struggle with, even maybe even at the younger ages, all the way up to you know junior seniors in high school as they get ready to go into college? What are some things that you see goalkeepers struggle with that you would encourage young goalkeepers uh to work on if they want to play at the next level um i think that uh a couple things that stick out in my mind um that i think can help you you know get to that next level is your comfortability playing with your feet um not saying that you need to be 
Ederson or Allison or, you know, any of those goalkeepers to where you're a sweeper keeper, but taking your own goal kicks um, to develop that range of passing. Um, and then to just be there to maybe be an outlet to relieve pressure for your team. I think those couple areas, if you can build a familiarity that you've got a baseline level of, of technique, then, then a goalkeeper, then a coach may be looking at you going, okay, I can build on that. But if they don't see that in your game, it's hard to envision what that might look like if you're able to add it. So um, I think that, and then um, second, I know this is going to sound a little weird, but catching. I think that um, unfortunately these days people think, a save and a, and a cool dive to my, to my right. And I'm flying through and I've pushed the ball past the post or I've, you know, parried it here or there is, is awesome. Don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for those types of saves, but um, just catching the ball and keeping it and not giving up corners, not giving up rebounds, um, not dropping it into traffic. Um, just the ability to collect and retain a ball is huge. Um, Cause Cause you can't do much if it's not in your hands. <laughs> yeah. And so. I, I love that you included that second part because uh, when I was at Wayne state last fall in 2019, when we made the conference tournament, um, the goalkeeper I had Rachel Grisham, love her to death. Uh, she was a shorter goalkeeper. Um, and, but, and she wasn't maybe as athletic as other goalkeepers, but the one thing that Rachel was very good, it was, it was, controlling her defense, dictating where she wanted them to go. And then she caught everything that she was supposed to and never, and it was just like, she never put us into trouble that, um, that, that she could control. And that, I think that made such a difference. And like, she wasn't going to pick it out of the top corner, but she mm -hmm. never made those, those simple, mis you know, those simple mistakes. And it, it never, we never, got a goal cost on us because she made something mistake like that. So I, I love that you included that second part. Yeah. It's a, uh, I just, you, I think you work, keepers work so hard to make a save. And so then you get, you get a hand on it or you get two hands on it and it's like, but then you just gave it back or you put it in an area to where a defender then might have to clear it or those. And it's just hectic where it's already challenging enough being a goalkeeper, right? the deck stacked against you. So anything you can do to tip it, it back in your favor is, I think is huge. And so, yeah, ball, I think it's probably called ball retainment or whatever you'd like to call it. Just <laughs> yeah, hold something on to the fancy, dang thing. right? <laughs> it's something, but just holding on to the dang thing is, is, is huge. And so, cause again, at, if you have that at a younger level, you can just approve upon it. And then you start to add in parrying and punching and proper deflections where I think if you have to work the other way, where if you're pairing, deflecting, and then all of a sudden you have to learn to catch, it's kind of a, that's a tough thing. Mm -hmm. It's a tough thing to, to start dialing those hands back. So, so yeah, those are a couple of things I think. Absolutely. No, thank you. Um, and then I guess shifting the focus a little bit more towards you. Uh, so you've been a college coach for how many years? So I was, um, my first stop was at North Dakota State. I was volunteer assistant for one season, and then I was there for six more seasons. So seven seasons at North Dakota State, and then um, now I'm going into year two at Creighton. So okay. a total of nine years as a college coach. And, and how did you decide that you wanted to be a college coach, or how did you start as a volunteer assistant? Like, tell, tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about your start. You know, so Joe, my, my story's got a little bit of a different path I think than most but I'm fortunate for it and I think that 
everything kind of leads you to where you're supposed to be. So um, I never completed my undergraduate degree um, from NDSU when I finished my playing career. So I had an opportunity to move back to Fargo in 2012 and complete my degree. And, um, and so I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to get that done. I felt it was important for a, for me as an individual and my growth. Right. And, um, Mark cook had just taken over, um, from Pete. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. he was, but he'd been there since spring and I came um, in the middle of the summer and I just said, Hey, I would love to just be around and give back to, you know, a program that gave me so much. And, and I had been coaching a lot of youth and did camps and stuff. So, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to Mark that he was like, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you around. And so, um, so I volunteered that first fall and, um, we had an assistant leave after that season and they, and Mark said, you know, as soon as you're done with your undergrad, we want you to come on full time. And so the fact that I was there and in that situation, um, and walked right into a division one full-time assistant job is incredibly fortunate. And, um, especially at my alma mater and with a, with a program that I love so much. And so, um, so it was kind of a, like I said, a little different than, than most people's kind of starts or paths, if you will. But um, it obviously turned into a great fit as I was there for then six more years. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just a good story in general of people, whether you're a player or you want to be a coach that not everyone does it the same way and it's, it's your way is what's important and what you gain from it and what you grow from it. Um, and then kind of dovetailing into that, uh, you know, there's been a big push and rightfully so, and there should continue to be a big push of getting more women into coaching, um, not just at the youth levels or the high school levels, but also at the college levels. Um, what, what's some advice that you would give to aspiring women's soccer coaches who are maybe college soccer players right now, or even high school soccer players who are like, I, yep, I, one day I want to do what Carly does. I think, I think the, the best thing that they can do, if, if anyone is interested in coaching, reach out to a coach that you have either played for or someone that you maybe played against that you respect and you really like, or maybe you work, you worked with a coach at a camp reach out to them and let them know that you're interested in coaching and talk to them about what their path was. And then maybe about what you want to do post your playing career, because they'll give you ideas of what you can do to broaden your knowledge, to, you know, get your coaching chops a little bit by coaching youth, or, you know, if it is kids that are getting done with college, are there grad assistant positions that they can look into um, volunteer positions? But I think that the, the easiest way that we can start to encourage young women that this is a viable opportunity for you to be successful in life after college and being a college coach and you can give back to the game and you, you can empower like the next generation is to reach out to people that you had a, a kinship with or a mutual respect for during your career, whether that's your current coach, a high school coach, a youth coach. Um, like I said, a competitor, I just had somebody that I coached against for four years, reach out to me and was like, Hey, if you ever get a vol- need a volunteer assistant or get a grad assistant, I want to come work with you. And I was like, I don't have that right now, but I'm going to, I want to be your mentor. So my phone is on for you. Here's my number, whatever you need. I'm happy to help you with that. And so 
I just think that, and the more that those connections happen, then you can reach out to people we know in our coaching network and say, hey, I've got a young kid that wants to do this. And the more that that happens, hopefully that just continues to bolster the ranks of women coaches coaching women. And um, it doesn't, you know, it's not, we don't need to hopefully continue having these conversations about how do we get more in that it's just, they're just there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I, I do want to give a, um, because actually in a connection with one of my friends, with your, who, who took a player from Minnesota State Moorhead, who was coached by mm-hmm. Christy, your wife. Um, yep. She's, uh, it's Maddie Reed down at uh, Northwest Oklahoma State with my friend, mm-hmm. Alex Pekarski. And Alex has been giving her rave reviews. He's like, he's like, man, if I get to keep her through her full GA ship, like this is going to be awesome. She's so good. Like, um, and that's what we need is we need more of like those type of coaching connections to get. Yep young women who are excited about coaching, like you said, show them that it's a viable path to giving back and to being a part of the game and to making a living. Um, yes. And I guess I've been lucky enough to know coaches like you, like Christy, I got to work with Sarah Cook at the University of Mary, know Greta Arvison at St. Cloud State, um, like a lot of good women's co- female coaches in the women's game. Um, what are some things, you kind of said it a little bit in in that way of, of you know, coaches, if they reach out to you, like want to help. And I think mm-hmm. I'm that way. I know you're that way. What are some other things that things that like men who are coaching women, what can we do to inspire the next generation to hopefully be coaches? Like, for example, I'm going to be coaching a high school age club team coming up here in the next club cycle. Mm-hmm. What are things that myself or college coaches or anyone can do to help inspire the next generation of women's coaches to come through the game and hopefully bolster the ranks? Yeah, I think, I think that answer could be twofold. I think that um, I think you're fortunate at the youth level is that in a club structure, very easy to then take that high school age group and say, Hey, on Saturdays, we're going to go volunteer with the little kickers program or something like that. And so those younger kids are then seeing older females, you know, mm-hmm. in coaching, coaching roles and, and they're already then involved in the game. And that just becomes part of, part of your, how you run your team. And that's just expected, right. To give back to the game. And so that's then already instilled to them as youth play as youth players. And so um, as they continue through their career, hopefully they continue to want to do that. Um, and then, and then second, I think, um, letting letting your players know that there is good soccer out there to watch that is played by women that you don't need to if you want to watch soccer awesome watches we want anyone I want our players to always watch the game but if you can watch the game of the highest level of the women that are playing even better and how we are the amount of soccer that is on tv at women's soccer that's on tv these days has gotten better it's 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 fantastic the fact that the fact that I can watch league uh, in, in the middle of afternoon on a Tuesday on Fubo, like, you know what I yep. mean? Like, tell me, tell me I could have done that 10 years ago. And I would have like told you to go fly a kite. And or the fact that you could pay five <laughs> bucks a month this summer and watch every NWSL tournament game. Like that was yep. awesome. And, yep. and, or you can watch the premier league now, uh, the women's premier league, the top division. And like, yep. yeah, it's just so much more readily available and it's good. It's enjoyable. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, ta- it's, there's high level of talent and, I'm hoping it continues to stay that way. I hope that it's, it becomes as easily accessible. And then the other good thing to speak more locally is we have Creighton University, University of Nebraska, Omaha, obviously a short drive away from the Huskers in Lincoln. 
yeah. um, at, you know, we have quality women's soccer right here. And like, yes. there's a great opportunity to come watch players play at that level. And they're, and they're all different in their own rights. Yes. And so within a short drive, you have, you know, you've got Tim at UNO working on that program in the summit league. You've got us at Creighton in the big East, and then you've got Nebraska down the road in the big 10, you're going to find all very different pictures of what the game looks like. And that's the more you watch that, the more variety you watch, the, the better soccer IQ, hopefully you're going to have. And, um, and like you're saying, it's Omaha is so, is so soccer rich. Um, you know, I know that you can attest to this coming from North Dakota, um, Bismarck and Fargo were probably your two. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. Right. And, and that was, you know, that was good because, you know, you were the show in town and you had the support and all that, but coming down to Omaha and, from like yours it's just the the wet women's and men's soccer that's being played here at all different at all varying levels is so fantastic and um i just think that being a part of the omaha community i feel pretty fortunate about that yeah and that's why i wanted to start that's why i started this podcast and i've said it multiple times it's like i want to showcase because i do still think even though we have a lot of good soccer at a, a lot of different levels i still think nebraska soccer is like this hidden thing of like people don't think that there's a lot of soccer being played here or that the level's very good, but it's very good. And even at the club level, we, they send dozens of players to division one, division two schools every year. So I'm hoping that we can utilize this podcast to highlight, you know, Creighton women's soccer, Creighton men's soccer, UNO women, UNO men all across the board. Um, and then, so you kind of touched on it, you and I, and we've kind of talked about you and I both yep. lived in Fargo. You and I now both live in Omaha. What, <laughs> what, what's your favorite, let's say restaurant in Fargo? Where do you like to go eat? When, where did you like in to Fargo? go eat? Yeah. In Fargo. Oh man. Um, so it, it's kind of cheating, but it's close enough. Um, I, Rustica was our jam or is okay. it, you know, Rustica yeah. cause it's in Moorhead. So, yep. but I mean, like, oh, that counts. it's right on the river. It's the same, but they're happy, but you can only eat there during happy hour. Their best happy hour is like <laughs> five to six and everything was half off. So it's yeah. like, but if it was full price, I wasn't eating there, but like their food was delicious. So yeah, no, that's even better that you're calling out a Moorhead <laughs> restaurant. Cause sometimes Fargo gets all the love in the Fargo Moorhead area. Yeah. So, and now yep. then shifting back down to Omaha, you've been here for mm-hmm. about two years almost. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite place to eat or what, what have you liked doing in Omaha? So, um, so I, I live in the Dundee area, so, um, I'm going to be a little, um, uh, let's see, my favorite spots are going to be here. Um, unfortunately, yeah. not unfortunately, no, that's but, okay. um, so I'm going to call out a classic and I just think that it's all, Goldberg's in Dundee. Is, <sighs> yep. Um, everyone thinks I'm joking when I say this, that the Reuben was invented in Omaha and like, they think I'm they think I'm not being serious, but I'm, it is, it, you can look it up, Google it. The Reuben was invented in Omaha and Goldberg's in Dundee makes a darn good Reuben. Yes, and so, do. so that's my jam. But then, uh, early morning eats is the Saddle Creek breakfast eatery up the road. And yes, so, um, that's a very good their menu is fantastic. It's, it's small, it's quaint. And so, yeah, those are my two jams here. Yeah. And Omaha, uh, Omaha people are also very passionate about their food and like the places they got to eat. I, a couple months ago I made, or a month ago, I made the mistake of listing like my favorite pizza places that I've been to, even though I hadn't been to all of them and people like roasted me for it. And I was like, I'm, so, well, I'm sorry. I, I just moved like, here. Pizza's a, pizza's a touchy subject. So it is. like, yeah. 
<laughs> so, I don't know if um, I y'all have to let me know what you got back on that one. I haven't, I haven't explored too many pizza places here. So, oh, I like, know what the top pick was. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like Lighthouse. Uh, Luke Baxter, who used to be at, at Creighton, put me onto that one. And then Cops, which is by UNO's campus, is good too. But yeah, there's, I still haven't tried Oscars and people will tell me that I'm an idiot or something. So, okay, um, all right. <laughs> but well i look forward to coming out and watching i hope I've, everyone else does too as as you know we start being able to get outside again and hopefully we can come and watch safely i uh, wanted to wish you and the rest of the creighton staff and the creighton team good luck and we're going to be following along covering you and and thanks again for coming on this i really appreciate it and it was good to reconnect yeah, thank you so much for your time, Joe, and even asking me. And um, I just think that what you're doing is so fantastic to A, give back to the soccer community in general, but to give back to the Omaha soccer community and in Nebraska. And, um, you know, what you're finding such a good use of your time. I love it. I feel bad. I'm like, what should I be doing? And so just come um, on the come on the podcast every once in a while. That's all you got to do. Well, Champions League round of 16 starts this week. So maybe I'll have lots of opinions after this week. <laughs> So, well, hopefully Liverpool aren't terrible. So, <laughs> oh man, they're just the injuries, man. They just can't can't catch a break. But, no, so. um, but Joe, no, this is I think shining a light on what we have going on here in Omaha and Nebraska is fantastic. And I just appreciate your time and your passion for the game. Um, always always enjoyed seeing you on the recruiting trail. So hopefully I'll see you a little more now that you're in town. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. All right. Bye. And that was Creighton University assistant coach Carly Kopitz. I want to thank Coach Kopitz for coming on the interview. And we look forward to having her back on the podcast in the future. I also want to wish Coach Kopitz and the entire Creighton Blue Jay program good luck as they begin their season this spring. The Creighton University women's soccer team kicks off their season with an exhibition game next Thursday down in Columbia, Missouri against the University of Missouri Tigers. And now on to some scores, recaps, and updates from the women's teams in the Summit League. We will start first with the Omaha Mavericks. Last weekend, the Mavs held defending Summit League champions South Dakota State to 2-0-0 draws, with junior defender Margaret Levine picking up the Summit League Defensive Player of the Week award for her efforts. I know the Mavs were hoping to get on the score sheet, but 2-0-0 draws against the Summit League champions is a pretty good start to the season. This is the first time since 2014 that South Dakota State has been held scoreless in two conference games in a row. This weekend has already been a little bit different for the Mavs as the floodgates opened in their 5-0 win over the University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Omaha native Maddie Smith was in goal again for the Mavs as they completed their third shutout on the bounce, and several Nebraskans got their names on the score sheet. Both Alyssa Hansen and Regan Zimmers registered assists on the day, with Omaha Scut Catholic grad Lauren Mertz finding the back of the net. The Mavs finished their series with the UND Fighting Hawks on Monday, February 22nd. I guess goals were the name of the game in the Summit League this weekend as UMKC ran out 3-2 winners in a thrilling game against the University of South Dakota. The Ruse split with North Dakota State last weekend, winning the first but dropping the second. UMKC got back to winning ways on Friday with the help of two goals from Nebraska native Sophia Lamangi and Bella Gonzalez as they each notched a goal for the Ruse, while Emma Wilson tallied an assist. UMKC finishes their series with USD on Sunday, February 21st. In other Summit League scores, North Dakota State defeated Western Illinois 1-0. Aaliyah Owens featured again in the starting lineup for the Bison. Denver defeated Oral Roberts 3-0. Both series finish up on Sunday, February 21st. And that is this week's scores and schedule update.
This recruiting roundup is brought to you by Sports Recruiting USA, the world's leading U.S. college soccer recruiting experts. For more information and to apply for a free film evaluation, visit www.sportsrecruitingusa.com. We are going to lead off this week's recruiting roundup once again with the UNO Mavericks. The Mavs continue to make big waves in the local recruiting world with a verbal commitment from another dynamic 2022 graduate. Lauren Schmidt from Gretna Elite Academy in Papillion La Vista High has verbally committed to UNO. Following her club teammate Maggie Gunderson's commitment last week, this is another big get for the Mavs. Lauren possesses good skill on the ball with both feet and has a tremendous work rate. I have really enjoyed watching Lauren over these last several years, and it is awesome that the Omaha soccer community will be able to watch her locally for years to come. Congratulations to both Lauren and her family on her commitment to the University of Nebraska Omaha. Goalkeeper Kelsey Johnson from Gretna High School and Midwest Premier Academy commits to NAIA program Mount Marty University in South Dakota. Congrats to Kelsey and her family on her commitment to Mount Marty. Hastings College Women's Soccer announced their new signings this week. The Broncos cast a wide net with their recruiting, drawing players from all over the United States and internationally, but they still have room for some solid local talent out of the state of Nebraska. Riley Rell from Lincoln Northeast, Grace Henry from Millard South, and Lauren Stoll from Lincoln Lutheran will all join one of the top GPAC and NAIA teams in the region. Congratulations to all of the future Broncos who signed this week, but especially to our local players, Riley, Grace, and Lauren. And that was this week's Recruiting Roundup. Be sure to tag us in any recruiting announcements that you have or that your program has so that we can announce these on the podcast every week. We want to continue to shine a light on the players that are finding success at the next level. Before we end this week's episode, I want to give a brief plug to the Nebraska State Soccer Association and their Coaching Week of Education. Uh, This Coaching Week of Education is going to be virtual, and if you sign up, you'll be able to view the sessions at a later date because they will be recorded. I think uh, DOC Jeremy Tesai has done a great job organizing this for the state and for the coaches in our state. Um, It has a great mix of local presenters in like Alex Mason and Mitch Kavanaugh and Rob Herringer. Um, And then we also have some big time presenters from out of state, including Ian Barker and Vince Gansberg, who are some of the best coaching educators that I've had an opportunity to, to work with and to see present. So I highly recommend all coaches uh, to register for the event. I think it's going to be a really good event, and I want to thank Jeremy and the Nebraska State Soccer Association for putting it on. I'm looking forward to every single one of the presenters, and I think that uh, everyone who turns in will enjoy it. Uh, With that, uh, that is the end of this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Next week, we'll bring you more scores and schedules, hopefully another interview, and we'll get ready for the Nebraska high school season to kick off. Have a good weekend, everyone.